Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and once again, I have my usual compatriot, Ellie Mistal. Summertime, and the living's easy. It's not at all, because it remains just as hot as it was earlier this week. Oh, I don't mind this non-European weather. Oh, no, no, no. It <laughs> needs to... Listen, there's, there's a reason why fall is the greatest of all the seasons. It's just right. Because things are dying? I, I'm not with you there. I mean, well, yes, things are dying, but you've got, you've still got a few warm days, but those warm days usually top out at a reasonable amount. There's some, a nice cool breeze. There's better sports on. There's really nothing wrong with the fall. If I wanted to read, I'd go to school. Hey, what are we talking about today? Um, what are we talking about beyond, uh, oh, I didn't know if you were, had anything you were mad about before oh, we got Oh, that's right. To, I do yeah. have something that I happen to be angry about today. Oh, yeah? All right. So I'm going to give a little bit of of my resume because I went to Harvard and I like to say that as often as possible. I've got a degree in law from Harvard Law School. I've got a degree in government from Harvard College. Do you know what the most consistent question I have gotten on social media with all of my education, asking me to put forth all of my education behind? You know what the most consistent question has been the last few weeks? Uh, I know. Can I get in trouble for playing Pokemon in... Wherever. Wherever. That's the question that they want me to bend my considerable talent towards. The second most popular question I will have you know is whether or not Kim Kardashian was legally allowed to record Taylor Swift. But like, yeah, that's where we are. The, the, the national conventions are happening. Cops are shooting people. But no, no, no. Let's talk about Kim Kardashian, Taylor Swift and Pikachu, Ellie. Well, that's where right. we are in this country. Well, I mean, yeah. Not to besmirch your degrees, but it it's not like you're the chair of the litigation group somewhere, right? Like, you write on a popular website. The idea that people might want your opinion on popular culture is not insane. The chair of the litigation group might actually have something to say about Pokemon or Kim Kardashian. That Man. might be a client of theirs. Yeah, I guess that's possible. But yeah, so what you're saying is you don't understand basic recording statutes. What I'm saying is that I cannot believe that I, you being thought asked, they would have covered. You thought they would have covered that at Harvard, but no. What I'm saying is that I cannot believe is that I'm continually being asked to talk about Pokemon and Kim Kardashian. Whatever, whatever. What are we talking about today? <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. So we're going to talk about Pokemon. Oh, I think God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. It is an interesting area. Uh, it does open up a whole can of worms, which if you catch enough worms, you can evolve them, I think, into uh, a bigger, badder worm. Freaking shoot me now. <laughs> so I take it from this, you don't have the game? I have a child. I have the game. No, I mean... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So what team are you? I'm not. I'm not. Oh. I'm an American, Joe. Okay. I might have a particular version of that, but, you know, I'm, I'm part of this world. Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, 
Team Mystic for life. Anyway, point is, so yeah, it's an interesting game. Uh, it is a distracting one. It's one that's raised a bunch of headlines and has created a considerable number of uh, various kinds of legal issues. So we thought we would have a show talking about that. And then we have the perfect guest to talk to about with it. So our guest today is Andrew Rosso. He's an attorney at Gregory Gantz Legal Office in Ohio, and he just wrote a thing for the Ohio State Bar Association about, uh, called Gotta Catch a Lawsuit, uh, about some of the legal issues that are involved in Pokemon, you know, and, which is kind of impressive that there's already papers being written, what, two weeks into the game. Well, after Donald Trump tried to catch John Kasich with <laughs> a Pokeball, um, it really became a hot topic. Yeah. Well, so welcome to the show, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So... Yeah, so let's let's talk Pokemon Go. Well, first of all, before we get going, I guess since I was just harassing Ellie about it, do you have the game or do you just know the legal issues around it? Oh, I, I have the game. I, I nice. definitely have the game. Yeah, all right. You should explain it for our uh, uh, listeners who, you know, don't. Yeah, well, I, I guess we will. So the game's Pokemon Go, and I actually think I might. this might be a good place to kind of bring up the, the issues that are raised in your in your paper, actually, because... The key to it, ultimately, is to go around and there is, it's a real map of the real world. You don't have to sit, you know, in your basement and just uh, eat potato chips and play a video game in front of a screen. You actually have to go walk around. The part of the game is, in fact, walking uh, and finding areas in the real life world. And then there's kind of algorithmically created creatures that you run across in the kind of the what they're calling the augmented reality world that you can then catch and you play Pokemon basically just like you always have otherwise. So that's kind of how the game operates and you download it on your phone and that's your fun. But there's a lot of issues involved here and the first one to talk about and we'll get to some of the ones that have been more in the headlines but the one that I thought was really interesting about this paper was you talk a lot about the property rights issue of just augmented reality as a concept. Right. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what the issue is with augmented reality versus reality and how those all fit together in the bundle of property rights. Sure. Well, I think for our listeners who may not be familiar with augmented reality, as it is a fairly new concept that people are just beginning to see, you know, you have to understand what augmented reality actually is. And what it is, it is, is a view of our physical, real-world environment whose elements are supplemented or augmented with computer-generated images, sounds, graphics, through an electronic device. And in, in our situation, uh, a cell phone or a smartphone. And what Nintendo has done or what Neantech has done has taken our cell phones and use the Google Maps interface as its world or as its map and taking our streets, our parks, um, our buildings and basically created their own Pokemon world and put it directly over this Google Map interface. So as we're walking down the street in the real world, in their game, we're walking down, you know, a grassy area or, you know, a, uh, a different city. And I think when it comes to property rights is the ability for these companies to create these elements at any point in time and place them in any location 
creates issues because what happens when an element or an object or a Pokemon creature is placed on somebody's property or a business owner's property and you know they don't they have no idea and you have more people flocking to these properties and what what can you do about it you know some people welcome it others are annoyed yeah i mean well i i guess we'll talk about the people who welcome it real quick because that's probably the smallest of the legal issues you mean like pedophiles no, I'm talking more like McDonald's, who just announced that they have a deal uh, in the works with these folks. Basically, they're going to pay Nintendo a bunch of money so that important things happen at McDonald's's, so everyone has to go there. That there feels like a distinction without a difference, but go on. That, that, yeah. So yeah, they uh, that's going on. Uh, some business journals have suggested that small businesses should be quick to get on this before the price goes up and try and get their small businesses in the database so that it can draw more people into their stores and so on. It has a potential to be a real uh, retail magnet. There have been a lot of posts on Facebook that I've seen about people saying that we should put pokey lures at uh, voting booths this fall. I, I saw something similar to that as well. Yeah. I mean, the problem with that is it's all well and good to get somebody there f- in the first place, but then you kind of, in voting situations, need them to leave after they're done. <laughs> that may not right. happen. And that's part of the issue is that at what point do you have people that are there just to play the game or people that kind of loiter around and gather and, you know, either create unnecessary attention or they just, you know, they become so enthralled with the game that they don't realize that it is a problem. Yeah, one thing you talk about in the paper is uh, the concept of an attractive nuisance, which is, you know, next to adverse possession, the most fun day of property class. Uh, Because it's this concept that you can have something that's awesome, but since it's awesome, it can bring in everybody and, and, you know, cause you trouble. And yeah, you raise that that's somewhat what these Pokemon are now. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting concept, especially with the different age groups that are now playing this game. I mean, you have younger children who have smartphones where, you know, as we were growing up, it, you know, we had phones at a different age, and it's become very different now where you have kids much younger or having smartphones and doing things that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do as kids. And then you got your uh, teenagers and then your young adults and then your actual adults, and those are you know, our generation who grew up with the original Pokemon, uh, you know, fad or, you know, club. And it, yeah. it's a problem with the young kids who, to a lot of the parents that may not know what it is, and to the kids themselves that don't understand that it's more than just a game. And when you're wandering around, either by yourself or with other kids, you know, it creates a dangerous situation, whether it's going on other people's property or you're going in locations by yourself that young children shouldn't, or you unfortunately come across a, a dangerous situation, you know, with kidnappings and criminal activity, and that's something that nobody wants to see. So let's talk liability for a second. Um, you know, classic hypo, you know, Pikachu is placed by the algorithm in a lake. That lake does not have signs saying no swimming. That lake does not have signs that there are crocodiles in the lake. My kid trying to find Pikachu comes upon this lake, jumps into lake, drowns, gets eaten, whatever. Um, is anybody at fault? Is Nintec at fault? Is the city at fault for for not kind of better securing this lake? Like, um, is my child at fault for being a dumbass? Like, who who pays? Right, and I think that's one of the most difficult questions that I present in the paper is that 
you know, at what point do you hold a landowner responsible for knowing that their property has now become a poke stop or a, a location that lures children there? And in, in your hypo, with the example of, of a lake, is it a privately owned lake or is it a public lake that you'd see at a park? If it's at a park, you know, there's no way of knowing that that lake has invisible Pokemon creatures that you can only see in a game. And then are you going to hold the city responsible for not looking into that? It's very hard to say, and it's also a matter of fairness. But at the same time, if you're looking at Neantech, who's intentionally placing objects out there with, you know, without even getting permission from these owners, the city and you know, individuals, I think that's a problem. And that definitely is a you know, food for thought in terms of incurring liability. Does it have to do with intentionality? Um, I, I'm not fully up on the tech of this, but as I understand it, most of the Pokemon are placed algorithmically. Um, but there are some that are placed intentionally, as Joe was talking about in the McDonald's example. Um, do you think liability turns on the question of whether or not the Pokemon was placed in a potentially dangerous spot intentionally or whether it was generated by the computer? A little bit of both. And, you know, you're then going into two different legal issues potentially. And one is, okay, you have your attractive nuisance where, you know, under that doctrine, you know, landowners or property owners are required to reduce or eliminate dangerous conditions on their land that would attract children. But on the flip side, if it's being placed algorithmically by, you know, some program, then you're looking at negligence possibly. And negligence on whose side? Is it um, in the coding of uh, geographic areas that are heavily populated? Is it in, you know, public places that, you know, kids are playing? It, you know, it, there's so many endless questions, and it becomes very difficult to then really directly point a finger at somebody. But in the event that the developers have control of where they place items, I think there is liability to be held. But then again, that mm -hmm. goes into the coding and the programming of, of the application. Um, but especially when it comes to the case of young kids, I think there is a higher standard. One of the problems with a lot of the private property stuff, so I, I live in New York, so the concept of actually having property is foreign to me. But, <laughs> uh, but, but here, it, there are obviously dangerous situations to be had here as far as traffic and so on and so forth. But we tend not to have a lot of these issues because we have so many landmarks that exist that it's okay to just throw a Pokestop on, like the center of Fort Greene Park, for instance, the Central Park. There's the outside of business buildings uh, that you can get where you can get at things. Whereas if you're in the middle of a more rural area, you can't really have many Pokestops without putting it on somebody's private land. Right. Yeah, and it's where I was going with all this is that there's there's a weird kind of I, I don't want to get into like federalism thing, but there there's almost there's going to be different legal problems coming up depending on where you are because a lot of the bundle of problems that exist with Pokemon out in suburbs and rural areas are just distinct from the ones we're going to have here, and I think that's going to be the interesting the interesting thing to develop. Right. And, you know, I, I went to uh, undergrad up in New York. I went to Hofstra mm -hmm. University. Ironically, that's where the uh, presidential debate is going to be debate, held yeah. after. And, you know, I was fortunate in my freshman, sophomore year to be a part of the first debate and part of the second debate, which is pretty cool. So this will be the wow. third year that Hofstra has it. But being up in the New York area and the Long Island area, I you know, I have to agree with, you know, traffic isn't as big of a problem when you have these landmarks. And, 
you know, Central Park. But then it looks to, okay, well, when you have a gathering at Central Park, like I believe there was one uh, last week or weekend. Right, or the 9-11 Memorial. Like, how do you, how do you control the population or the, the number of people that are coming to these locations for that specific purpose of catching rare Pokemon or catching, you know, items that are placed in the game? And then even then, should there be security there that monitors that? And even then, how do you monitor that? And it's, it's very difficult because this is so new that nobody has successfully implemented before until now. We've talked a little bit about the the very young and, and the attractive nuisance and the lures for them. Um, let's move to the very old. How do I keep these people off my lawn? <laughs> and you know what? That's, that's a good question. And a lot of old school people would unfortunately say, you know, get off my property and you hear the click, click of the, uh, the weapon. And that's, that's another, especially with young children, that's another big concern. But from keeping people off your property, again, do people have a duty? Do residence owners have a duty to have this game on their phone to be aware of, okay, is my house one of these places uh, during the week or on the weekend? If so, do I need to put a sign out that says, go away, stay off, this is not a poke stop? You know, I mean, again, and even then, what happens if their property becomes one, whether intentionally or you know, through a, a formula, through the programming. You know, who who do you report to? Do you report report it to the app? Do you make a phone call? Do you bring a lawsuit? And it's it's difficult. Right. That's a, that's why I was going to ask. Like, is there any way that rolled out with the game at all where I can uh, uh, kind of not even complain or, or or just you know point out to these people that my house or my property or my business has become a Pokestop and I want to, you know, do not disturb list. I want to be off their list. Is there any recourse through the company for that? Sure. And um, it's, it's interesting that you asked that. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday uh, out at uh, my apartment complex and uh, a boyfriend of hers, I think, works out at uh, Wright Pat uh, Air Force Base out here in uh, Dayton. And I think recently the Wright Pat Air Force Base was marked as a poke stop, and you know, as you know, it's a federal piece of property that <laughs> you can't, you just can't do that. And I said, well, what what happened? I didn't hear anything about that. And they're like, well, you probably won't, but I know for a fact that, you know, they placed a call to the higher ups, and uh, I think it was the Air Force that they called, and the Air Force reached out to, I believe, the developers. I might be wrong, but somebody up there and said, get this off our property now. And I was told that uh, it was immediately removed. They're no longer a poke stop. And I tried to inquire as to how they did that. But obviously with, you know, classified information and stuff, there's been no real answer. So is there a way to do it? I'd have to say yes. I know that's one of the extreme cases in terms of, you know, federal property and classified information. But you know there has to be some recourse, and I love that man. The red, the red phone is now get Chaharizard off of my military base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay off, nothing burning, and it's it's interesting. And I, you know, it, I, it just shocked me. And I was trying to find articles about that uh, yesterday, um, and I couldn't find anything. But I, you know, her friend or boyfriend works over there, and that was uh, the topic of discussion for about a day. And then next day, they're they're back doing their business and not having to worry about it. But, you know, I think there is some sort of recourse. And I think as property owners, whether you're 
a private citizen or a public servant, a government official, I think everyone has that right to say, I don't want this on my property. Because when you start mixing in the public safety, health, and concern, that, that takes priority for public policy reasons. We're just at the beginning of this, right? I mean, we're, we're just at the beginning of the augmented reality suite of legal issues, right? Because I mean, when I look at the numbers and they tell me that Pokemon Go has as many or more users as Twitter, what I see is a bunch of other companies being like, all right, what's, what's going to be our augmented reality game or app? So the lack of legal kind of undergirdings here, I guess, worries me because this, is, this isn't the end. This is the start. Yeah, you know, and I have to agree. And I think I mentioned this in my paper is, okay, you have other companies now that are looking at what Neantech and Nintendo and the Pokemon Company have done. And because I think it caught a lot of people off guard as to what the potential of this game actually is and what the effect is on people, both good and bad, um, I think it's time to play catch-up in, in the mindset of these other companies. And for, you know, other popular shows, like you have The Walking Dead, you have Game of Thrones, you have these shows that are live-action movies and, and, and TV shows that you can create versions of this, whether it's Walking Dead Go or Game of Thrones Go, and you're Jon Snow, and you have to kill as many White Walkers as you can, but not all the White Walkers are, you know, running around the... Uh, Main Street or uh, Central Park. So it's, it's situations like that. And then depending on the type of game it is, you know, Pokemon was an animated, fun, active game for young kids to go around and catch, whereas you have shows like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones that are a little more violent and much more active with weapons and stuff. So, I mean, the, the possibilities for any type of, uh, of media or, you know, popular programming. I mean, it's endless. Wow. And it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. Go shoot the zombies at the Holocaust Museum. That's going to be a fun case, right? Oh, yes. and you know what? That's one that nobody wants to see. And again, how are the courts going to, I mean, what, what do you do as a judge sitting on the bench? How do you address it? How do you argue it? How do you introduce, um, which I don't even think I got into in the papers, how do you introduce evidence into court? Of, of this activity, of places you've been in the app. And, you know, I know with my firm, we're starting up our cyberspace division where we help clients and individuals address some of these issues, whether it's, you know, creating a cyber policy, um, creating a data policy, and addressing, well, what happens if I die? And, you know, who has control over my Facebook? So, I mean, this is just another issue to add to that list. And uh, it's admitting cyber evidence into a courtroom. Joe, if you die, who gets all your Pokemon? Um, I'm in test date, so I don't know, whatever the, uh, whatever the laws of the state of New York would suggest, I don't know. I think it goes to his attorney. I think that attorney's one yeah. lucky guy if uh, he was a good trainer. <laughs> as long as I can tax a little bit of it, as a liberal, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. No, um, this whole thing is fascinating. Like, obviously, there's the property rights issue. We have the trespass issue. We have the get off the lawn with the people shooting. Uh, we've already had some shootings theoretically linked to Pokemon, or at least the excuse was Pokemon, uh, whether right. or not they were just going to shoot people anyway. Who knows? But all of these things coming up, it's just the rapidity of it for me. And you touch on this when you were talking about the whole cyber thing going. But this it's just so fast. It was it was like 2 weeks ago Wednesday. 
uh, two weeks ago yesterday or something like that, that all of this stuff, because we're recording on a Thursday, that all of this came into our lives. And, you know, a few days later when the servers finally stopped crashing. So it's even less than two weeks that we've managed to discover all of these different varied legal issues that go across boundaries and age groups. And there was a great article that uh, I believe was on Jezebel or Gawker, one of those two sites about about race and how the weird behavior that it is to go around and play Pokemon means that there's a high likelihood of ethnic minorities being targeted as they walk through white neighborhoods and look suspicious, uh, that they could face all sorts of repercussions from that too. So it it's just a, unbelievable how one little app has caused this much legal fire in this short a time. Very much so. I mean, it's like the Pikachu, yeah. And I mean, like I said, I, I'm not against this app at all, and this is purely from a legal standpoint. And the social aspects of it, there's a lot of good to this. You know, it's bringing people together in a way that, you know, I don't think you or I really ever thought happening. You know, it's getting people no. out of the house. It's bringing a large number of people who don't know each other into a new area, and they start talking to people that maybe they would never have talked to on their own about something, you know, as strange as it is of, you know, imaginary creatures, but it brings people together, and you get to meet more and more people. However, again, on the legal side, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, there's always a consequence for every action, and it's hard to foresee every little thing that's going to happen. But, you know, I think this is a start to a new area of cyber law, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the law ultimately will have to find a way to embrace this. I don't think this is going to be the kind of fad that the law can uh, easily crush with um, with regulation, um, just because it's so it's such a seamless interaction with most people's daily lives. Um, on the positive side, you know, like I've certainly with my kid, I've learned more about my town because right. um, the Pokemon tend to be clustered around you know, landmarks and things in my suburban town that I didn't even know existed. And when you have that level of seamlessness, I don't think that regulation can stop it. So regulation needs to figure out how to embrace it. Right. And I was leaving, you know, I was in court this morning. I was walking out and I happened to see a a younger attorney uh, walking out with his briefcase and he had his phone out and he had it angled out towards me as I was you know, walking out, and I saw the Pokemon Go screen on his phone, and he uh, he was holding it down, and he walked past me, and I, I turned around to see what he was doing, and he, you know, as he walked by me, he pulls his phone back up and starts holding it out like uh, <laughs> he was looking around. So, I mean, people are playing it. Attorneys are playing it. I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, just looking at all the wacky headlines in the news, and I think there was a meme I saw uh, over the weekend that, it was saying it was from the government saying, "Get off our property! What are you doing here in Area 51?" And the player's like, "I'm trying to catch a Mewtwo, and I'll be on my way out." I'm like, where's my Mewtwo? And it's right, and you know, it, and it's, and it's, that it's causes all sorts stuff. of issues. That causes all sorts of different issues because the government they don't, especially there, those guards don't know what to you know that you're playing the game because they actually have a Mewtwo in Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, lots of them. <laughs> But it, 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 and you start to get in that issue is how do you know when someone is just playing Pokemon Go or they're actually on your property or there to unfortunately commit a crime or cause harm? Like how how do you distinguish that? And then should that person who's trying to protect their property or who that you know maybe themselves how are they supposed to know? 
Yeah. And I'll tell you, well, that, you know, since since we raised the Mewtwo thing, I was reading an article today that some of the very rare Pokemon just have never been kind of put in the game yet. And there's some hypothesis that this might become, this is a planned event that like there will be one of these plays spawned somewhere to like create a PR moment. And I just, seeing that video of the folks streaming through Central Park trying to catch that that Pokemon, I'm like, whenever there's a like a actual Mewtwo-like sighting, the stampede of people is going to be a, something that they've not really, if they've not thought through what's happened so far, they really are going to be shocked by what happens when these players have the opportunity at something like that. Right. I mean, when you got these big areas, I know there was an article that came out a couple of days ago that, you know, hackers are already trying to exploit the vulnerabilities of this game. And yeah. I think on Twitter, there's a hacking group, I think they're called Poodle Corp, if I'm not mistaken. And they, you know, put something up saying August 1st, uh, beware, hashtag Pokemon Go, hashtag Poodle Corp. And, you know, people are thinking that this is another DDoS attack. And I think that was a group of hackers that claimed responsibility for taking down the servers last week. And uh, for something like that, you know, they're already planning something that nobody knows what's going to happen on August 1st. God forbid, you know, it's, you know, with a bunch of people. And it, it's scary because then you get into data privacy issues and then private security. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, especially with the state of how things are going in, you know, the country with the, the police shootings and, you know, just all the violence. And, you know, while Pokemon Go is giving inspiration and hope to people to go out and have fun and connect and be with one another, you know, there's always going to be a security issue. Yeah. And on that happy note. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're not exactly. <laughs> Pokemon will kill us all. Of course. <laughs> You know, we really screwed this up. About three minutes ago, we had the ending that was like, everybody's going out and meeting people they wouldn't meet otherwise, and it was beautiful, and we just had to push it. To well, this the, is thinking like a lawyer, kill right? Us all. Yeah, is... exactly. Oh, I can, I can state it again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll just hope everyone remembers. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about Pokemon with us on this uh somewhat ridiculous podcast that we like to have about legal issues because this is kind of exactly what this podcast was all about like finding weird and wild things that uh the law intersects with thanks for doing this so i don't have to man all right well i i thank you so much for having me thanks all right well so if you aren't listening to this as a subscriber yet you should subscribe because there's no reason not to and then you'd get it every week or well, I guess we're not every week, every couple of weeks, and you'd uh, you'd hear us, and we don't have to warn you over the internets that we have something coming out. You'll just get it in your phone. It'll it'll be like you don't even have to go out and catch it. It's not even like a Pokemon. You'll you'd have it every day. So uh, you do that. Give us reviews. Read above the law. Read ATL Redline. Follow us on Twitter. All the various ways that you can get at the you know double Harvard mind nuggets that uh, that Ellie's going to put out. I'm going to go play Overwatch. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sit yeah, in I, my room, my dark room, eating my potato chips, drinking my beer, playing Overwatch. Uh, you're from the past, man. All right. Well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll let you go. We'll talk to you in the future. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own 
and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.